Welcome to this very first episode of the Tetelis Diet Podcast. My name is Jenny Donnelly and I'm here with my husband, Bob. Today we are talking about breaking free from fear and entering into rest. We're actually going to be going on what I'm calling a still journey over the next several episodes. I wrote a book called Still, The Seven Ways to Find Calm in the Chaos. And it was over 10 years ago that the Lord actually invited me into a new space. He basically said to me, you do not understand the rest as I've defined it. I thought rest was a verb. I thought it was, hey, just take a break, kick back, go on a vacation, disconnect from life, get some energy back and then run at life again. And so I really had some work to do because what I found out was rest is actually found right in the middle of chaos. And I know that sounds like a, like a, what? I don't even understand what you're saying right now. And so that's what our goal is, is not only for you to intellectually understand what I'm saying right now, but really to find the same path that was laid out for us so that you can have a deeper dimension of joy. The first thing I want to do, I'm going to have Bob uh, come in here in a minute, but I wanted to really show the difference in the word anxiety and the word rest. They are, they're basically opposites of each other. Now, anxiety I'm going to just give you the definition of it. It is a feeling of worry, nervous, excuse me, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And so maybe you've thought of anxiety as this huge panic attack event that people have, and it actually can lead to that for sure. In fact, the psychiatric definition of it fits more that it's a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. But let's just go back to that basic definition. It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something. Here's the key with an uncertain outcome. And I think that life has so many uncertain outcomes. I think that worry has become normal and it has become a way that we're living. And I wanna kind of shake loose from the idea that worry is just part of life. And 40 million American adults have reported to be suffering from anxiety. This is from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And these are just the ones that have reported having anxiety. We're some liars. <laughs> the rest of them are like me that don't fill out much paperwork at the doctor. We just go, I'm doing good, doing great. Check all those boxes. But the reality is, Bob, you and I have had a tremendous encounter with fear. And the reason we're bringing up fear today is because when you, when you look at anxiety, we want to look at the square on and we want to say, okay, what is anxiety really about? Because if we're going to enter into rest, we need to look at the opposite of rest, which is anxiety. So anxiety Let's trace it down to the root because anxiety can be, Hey Jenny, you know, my kids are driving me nuts. Anxiety can be, I'm in college. I have so much pressure on me. I'm trying to pay my bills or I have to get out of my apartment by a certain time. I have no idea where I'm going to live next and all these uncertain outcomes of life. And we can blame those things as making us feel anxious. But really I want to get away from all those symptoms of anxiety and I want to trace it down to the root. And the root of anxiety is fear period. It is fear. It's always been fear and it'll always be fear. And so in this episode, in this conversation, we're going to look at fear. We're going to look in, at it and say, okay, what is the deal? Why has fear entered my life? Why am I waking up in the morning and feeling worried, which is a form of fear when in reality, God promised a place called rest. So let's, let's kind of look at these two different things. We're looking at fear and we're looking at rest. So when it comes to rest, 
Bob, what is your first thought about that word rest? Rest, I, I saw as just a complete separation of normal life. So if I have a, you know, we have five children, you know, we're married. We have businesses, we have a church, we have a nonprofit, um, so many things going on. And, and so with our life, I saw rest as a separation from those things. Sometimes my time of rest was with my children and with you. But if I had a very active week and, you know, it's six days or seven days of, of, of intense activity and, and taking care of the kids and, and taking care of, you know, obviously our marriage, I saw rest as a separation from all those things. And um, with that, I think sometimes rest allowed me to kind of set my worries aside and because I didn't have to think about anything in my, in my normal life. And then right when I got back into my normal life, I just put on worry like a little nice warm coat. And, and I think, I think um, not only say it's a little bit normal in society, I, I, I think it's accepted now. It's like accepted that we should be worrying about certain circumstances in our life. And, and it's, and it starts to um, get on our children. I, I, I think look at my, my three-year-old mercy compared to my 17 year old Hannah. And I'm not saying Hannah worries a lot, but, but you look at the 17 year old and, and the, the situations that she is, facing in high school, graduation, where am I going to go to college? You know, this definition of anxiety could, could quickly leap on my Hannah, but I look at Mercy, there's not a worry in the world. She's not mm-hmm. thinking about where she's going to be going to college. She's not thinking about where she's going to have lunch or dinner. She's not thinking about any of those things whatsoever. She has a worry-free life. And, and so that's why I think that is kind of, um, um, especially in today's society where, where we live in a social media where we, where we have an, uh, so much, uh, we're so connected and we have so much outside input that we can look at all this outside input and it, may, it adds even more worry to our life. And you, and you see it start becoming evident with our teenagers. So um, I think it's one of those things where not only two things, one is worry kind of starts growing on you, start becoming, it's your new normal essentially. And then rest is one of those things that it helps you get away from that typical worry. Um, but what's amazing about it and what I think this is incredible revelation with this book is that you can actually have so much going on in your life. And if you have something like a thought come into your mind about you worrying about something in the future, um, when you're aware and you're aware of that worry, you're able to quickly cast it aside where typically I'm just waiting for the next vacation. I can't wait for Friday. Um, I can't wait for when we're going on our next trip. I can't wait to, to go to the beach. I mean, all these different things that we start thinking about that's going to be rest. And, and the fact is we can have so much going on, but not be worried in the middle of so much going on. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the difference between men and women. So anytime that we went on a vacation or we broke away from our life before I had this revelation, honestly, Bob, I never left worry behind. You know, women don't have boxes. We don't have compartments. I I know. And so (laughs) this could be a tougher revelation for a man because you really can live in boxes. But if we went to Hawaii, everything I was concerned about came with me, even though in my mind, I'm like, surely the beach will zap all concerns that I have. And then darn, I have to go back home and continue worrying about everything and about my life. And in reality, they sat there with me on the beach. So you know, is this really the rest that God was talking about? Because when you read Hebrews chapter four, you will, you will hear what God was saying. He was saying to enter into this place of rest. It was actually entering into the promise 
place of rest. So what I want to do is I want to look at rest completely different. And this is what I had to do. I had to stop looking at rest as a verb. Mm -hmm. The act of resting, the act of relaxing, the act of doing something that would disconnect me from responsibility and get away from the idea that rest and work could not come together at the same time. They could not be synonymous with each other. So then I realized that rest was a place. And I'll tell you how I realized that. I was actually sitting at the kitchen table one day. You know the story, but I want the listeners to hear this. Sitting at my kitchen table, we were in a listening prayer group and it was my turn for everybody to pray for me. And everybody goes silent. They have a blank piece of paper in front of them. And it's basically, you get three minutes to hear from God about, you know, for this person. And so it was my turn. And the Lord just said, hey, do this for yourself right now too. So I began swirling my pen in a circle swirling, swirling, swirling. And I thought, what am I drawing right now? And I looked at my paper and it was a tornado. And I asked the Lord, why am I drawing a tornado right now? And he said, look at the center, look at the center of that tornado. And he said, Jenny, your paradigm of work and rest is inaccurate. Have you noticed that you keep living your life like, okay, when this is over, okay, when this deadline is done, okay, when this event is over at work, or when the kids get into kindergarten, then I'll be able to. And it was like looking forward to this fantasy moment where life would not feel so difficult. And he said, have you noticed then that as you're waiting for for one storm to be over with, another one has already come in and there really is no in-between storms. And I thought, wow, that's so true. And then I just felt this impression in my heart. He said, I want you to find the rest you're looking for, the relief you're looking for. I want you to find it in the center of the storm. And he said, right in the middle of that tornado is perfect calmness. It's perfect stillness. There's nothing crazy. There's nothing slapping you around. There's nothing chaotic, although chaos is all around you. And he said, I am in the center of the storm. I'm not outside the storm. I'm not after the storm. I'm in the middle of the storm. I want you to find it and I'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. And it was frightening, Bob, because I had to, in that moment, realize that I was living a fantasy life. We were very successful in business. We had a lot of success in ministry. And yet I had a little undercurrent of dread because everything felt a little hard for me. Everything felt like, okay, when I get through this, okay, next Monday, then company won't be here. And then I'll finally be able to fill in the blank. It just felt like I was delaying my rest. Mm -hmm. And he said, it is not an action. It actually has nothing to do with what you're going through or what the circumstances of your life look like. Rest is a place you live from inwardly. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know where that is. I'm gonna have to find that. So that was over 10 year journey that he took me on. And that's, what we're going to be doing these episodes. I'm going to walk everybody through as much of this book as possible. And I'm going to walk through the exact seven ways to find calm, to find the center of the storm there's, in the middle of the chaos. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with going on vacation. There's nothing wrong right. with having a fantastic day of physical rest. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but the, 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 the revelation comes in when you're actually aware that you can be living life, but living your life in complete peace. That's what this is about. It's living your life in peace where you can have just all these things going on, especially for us. We have ranges of of children from the age of three to 17, and we have so much going on, but we can have so much peace in the midst of everything that's going on. 
And so, but, but also know that even though this has been a 10 year journey and we're aware of certain things that it's not meaning that worry doesn't come into our mindset. Right. Again, it's, it's your, once you're aware of it, um, you can hold that thought captive and, and send it right to um, hell where it, where, it, yeah. where it deserves to be. So it's a matter of awareness, but it's also, you, you're not going to reach this point of absolute perfection where you're just floating in the clouds and you have your angel wings and, and there's nothing there's nothing, uh, nothing, no worries whatsoever. Things will come upon you, but it's a matter of knowing it, being aware of it and continuing your life and knowing that his, there's not going to be a point where there's not going to be something happening that's going to be um, potential turmoil in your life. It's just a matter of facing it in a different light. Yeah, that's really good. We're going to talk about fear and how to take it captive here in a minute, but you're making me think about a conversation I had this morning. So one of the girls that I'm mentoring, she's taking our rest ride, which is a course on Tetelestai. It's actually called rest training, but my component that I teach is a rest ride. We're on a spin bike and then there's some people on treadmills or even on ellipticals. I know this sounds like a disconnect, but what we do is we intentionally put strain on the body through physical exercise. And then what I do is I coach people through letting go of all the things that cause anxiety, because what we don't realize is to get us through the hard times, we have reached for things that are total counterfeit energy. We reach for irritability. Okay, fine. I'll just do this workout or, oh gosh, my kids, they left their lunch at home. Now I have to get to school. I have to take it to them. Oh my gosh, I'm so aggravated. You know, and, and what I do is I, I help these young women become aware of the things that they're grabbing for to get them through things. And uh, a friend of mine, her name is Sophie. I'm sure she'd be fine with me saying this because we had such a great conversation about this, but she said this morning that she became very aware that she looks at the time a lot during the workout. And I was like, oh, I can totally identify with that. That was one of the very first things I noticed about myself is I was like, okay, 17 minutes left of workout. Okay, 13. Oh my gosh, it's the longest 13 minutes of my life, you know? And what I, what the Lord told me in these workouts is he said, I want you to be totally present. Let the time be what it is. You can't control time. I want you to disconnect from wanting this to go by faster. So her and I had a talk this morning and she said that that's exactly what she's working on. And so she started with just working out by closing her eyes so she doesn't look at the time. But what I told her this morning and what's coming to me right now that's making this relevant is she's pregnant. And I said, Sophie, here's what's so cool is that when you get these brain trails smoothed out and you're not looking at time and just wishing it away, wishing it away, wishing it away, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night to a crying baby and you're going to be able to nurse this baby and you're not going to look at the time and panic and go, oh, I have three more hours to sleep and then I have to get up. And, and, and here's what's happening is you are able to sit in the middle of a situation that's hard and go, that's okay. The time is what it is. I'm okay everything's going to be fine. And so it's not just about the workout. It's about how are we going to work out the stress so that we can break free from fear and into rest. And so I, I want you to take what you're hearing from these episodes, take what you're hearing. And if you join the rest training, that's fabulous because it really builds those brain trails, but take what we're talking about and transition these elements into your everyday living. And so I want to do that right now. I do want to ask you, to tell the story about your, probably your biggest life breakthrough in fear. And then after you share that story, which is so profound and it was so life-changing for our marriage, it was life-changing for our future. I'm going to go through the three fears and I want to identify, help everybody identify 
all of our fear really comes down to three fears. And we're going to, we're going to get to the root of this and give them practical steps to break through fear and into rest. That's good. Uh, well, it was a time of our life that uh, we started our business and, and with that business, uh, it had to deal with talking to people. And I've, I've never been afraid of talking to people. I'm not necessarily an extrovert, but I, but I was never afraid of talking to people. But for something, for some reason, whenever I would talk to him about this business, it w- there was a block. And, and there was a moment where uh, we were going to discuss this with, with one of our you know, good friends. And we went out to dinner and I said, hey, Jenny, I'm going to talk to him you know, about this business. And because I, I feel like they really need it. They need something. And went through dinner went through dessert and there was just, there was this block and I'm like, what we got done with dinner and, and, and Jenny gave me this look, um, that, um, was awesome. And, and with this look, I was like, okay, something I, I looked at you and I said, I, there's something not right. I I've got to get to the bottom of this. And I ran away and I went to the restroom and that's the only place I can get away then. And the only place I can get away now. <laughs> so I went to the restroom and, and I sat down and there happened to be a book there. And I, and I turned open this book and it was think on these things by John Maxwell. It was one of his first books he ever written. And on the very first page, it, it was um, a scripture. It was tw- uh, Proverbs 23, seven, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that, 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 that caught me. And I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. And people wonder why I talk about the mindset so much because it was this moment that finally it, it broke through. Uh, and, and there's a point of this when it comes to fear that is so vitally relevant to, to everything that we do. So I read that scripture and I was like, my goodness, that's, that's amazing. So I kept on reading it and, and I'm going to read this, this scripture real quick because I think it's just absolutely powerful, but it really boils down to what I felt like fear was, was gripping me and it was really holding me back from my destiny. And that's what we have to think about is we have to analyze, okay, what is holding me back to a destiny that God has in store for me? I know that God has an incredible future for me. He's a good God. He's an incredible future. What is holding me back from this? And, and so we're at the point of our business where I did, I needed, I needed some breakthrough. I was so tired of it. So we get to this point where we're just, we're sick and tired of, of this moment. Well, I was sick and tired of living in fear and I didn't understand what was holding me back. I excelled in school. I excelled in sports. I excelled in, I mean, it just in life I was doing well, but just in this thing, it was just something was holding me back. And so I read this bit of scripture and it completely set me free. And this is from the Passion Translation. This is Philippians 4, 8. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts in every glorious work of God, praising him always. And when I read that, it was some, something hit me. And I started, I started thinking, about, okay, Bob, when you're about ready to share something with somebody that can actually, they, they can benefit from this, what is holding you back? And, and I started thinking about all the, the awesome things that I stood for who I was, not only that, what I represented as far as a business goes. And I was like, I believe in everything. So, so what I decided to do, start fixing all the, all the goodness of what I had to offer. And immediately at that moment, I walked into the restroom and this mm-hmm. happens, walked into the restroom and walked out a completely different person because I, I no longer had the fear of man. What it was, was it was, I was so concerned about what other people thought of me. It actually controlled my destiny. It actually wow. controlled, um, where I was going. And so at that moment, I stopped caring about what, what people thought because I, I know that I had something good. I'm not a bad person. I, I met, um, I, I had integrity. I met really 
um, I was, I was offering something, somebody, something excellent, what I believed in at that time. And so, um, when I started standing on that, I was like, you know what? I have something good to offer. I'm a good person. I don't care what they think anymore. And so I stopped caring what people thought of me and it completely revolutionized, um, my daily walk. And I and I stopped being concerned about man. I think people have a fear of failure. Yes. I think people have a fear of success as well. But, but mine was a fear of fear of man. I, I was so concerned about what other people thought that it actually, um, quenched, uh, my destiny, I believe. So that fear being rooted in control. Yeah. And when we go back to that definition of anxiety, it was typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. I'm uncertain. About rejection. It's rooted by rejection. That's Get right. Rejected. I'm uncertain about the outcome of somebody's response to me. And as you're talking, Bob, I'm thinking about sharing the gospel. Is there anybody here that can not relate to, I need to share the gospel with this person. I need to share the goodness of God. I need to share the story of Christ and what he did for them. And yet I'm not. (laughs) And here's the thing that I love so much about this story is you came to the end of yourself. You didn't blame me. You didn't say, well, it was really bad timing. You were so sick and tired of being controlled by something and you knew something was wrong. And so you went and got alone and you said, God, what is going on here? Boom, there's the word. And he shows that your thoughts have not been fastened to pure thoughts. And I remember you telling me my thoughts have been in the trash. I'm thinking about how they're going to reject me. I'm thinking about how they're going to think I'm weird. I'm thinking they're going to label me. I'm thinking they're going to reject me is what I'm thinking. And so your thoughts had already predetermined the outcome was going to be negative. And so what in the world would inspire us to approach somebody if we've already fantasized a negative outcome? So this is really powerful. I have, I've heard this and I've been told that there are three fears and this really helps me. I write about this in my book, but I want us to really think about this. I want you to memorize this. Three fears. Number one could be, I'm all alone. Okay, that that could be a fear that somebody has. I'm all alone. I have nobody. The second fear is very similar. I don't have help. I don't have anybody to help me. Third fear, I don't have what it takes. I think that's where most men battle with is that third one. I don't have what it takes. There's an insecurity in a lot of men. Uh, We have this very healthy pride. We, we, we want to impress our fathers. We want to, um, I want to impress you. I mean, I, there's, there's all these different things. This was a very healthy pride, but there's an unhealthy pride where I, I feel like I just don't have what it takes. I can't really step up. I can't be the spiritual leader of my household. I can't step out and, and start walking in really what God has destined me to walk out. And I just don't have what it takes. And so, um, I, I believe that we walk into an environment. Like for me, I feel like in my position I'm at right now, I feel like I don't have what it takes, but that's, that is the power of the Holy spirit to be able to walk with me. And that is awesome. God that we get to serve that. I know my father's not going to let me down. So I'm able to walk in confidence. That's what the, the premise of faith is, but I I'm telling you, I battle that every day as far as not feeling like I'm, I'm a completely, a complete inadequacy of really, really what I should be doing. And, and so um, I, I feel like guys suffer with, from that more than anything is really not having what it takes. And, and I think guys have a really difficult time with that. Yeah. I would say that that's a huge one because men do think, how can I make this happen? How can I succeed? And women have that too, but I think we're a little more on the I'm, a, I'm all alone side of things. 
if we were to survey people, I guess who, who knows what this would turn out to be. But I think that males definitely have a, want to perform. They want to hit the mark. And I think it's a, it's a spiral because for me, um, anytime I'm, you know, worrying about something, my number one, um, go-to is to escape. I'm a runner. So I want to run away from not a confronter. So I want to run away from my situation and, and isolate myself. So as a result, I run all alone, which, you know, is, is, a, is obviously a fear as well. Like I'm all alone. I'm doing this by myself. So it's like a secondary so fear it's, pops it's like up. A, it's a spiral of, of emotional turmoil that people deal with. As a result, they just don't ever get out of their funk. Okay. So let's walk through this because what I want everybody to do is I want you to feel the authority and the power that you actually have in this situation. You are not a victim of fear. It might feel like fear is bigger than you, but I promise you, the one who lives in you is bigger and more powerful than that little itty bitty tiny fear. So here's what I want to do. I want you to become so aware this week. This is your assignment to become so aware and vigilant, which means alert and awake. So aware of that feeling inside that says, hi, I'm here to intimidate you. I'm here to make you irritable today. I'm here to make you want to run today. Wow, did you see how they rolled their eyes at you? You should be very hurt by that. It's anything inside of us that does not feel like heaven. And this is what I tell people. Half the battle of obtaining rest is knowing when you're in unrest. I want you to become so aware of, wait a minute, my I'm not in rest right now. Something is off. I am feeling combative or I'm feeling self-pity or I'm feeling irritability or I'm feeling anger or I'm feeling like a panic attack is coming on or I'm just feeling like I'm just going to go into a little meat pit. Whatever it is for you, everybody has a different reach. Yours was isolation. Mine was sadness or even being combative. Sorry, Bob. 20 years of marriage later, we survived that. Thank God for this revelation. But I will say this, if you can catch yourself in the moment where something on the inside starts to get grindy, starts to just throw you off, okay? Right there, right there is your moment of opportunity. So, so I'm walking you through the practical steps of breaking free from anxiety right now. And you're gonna have to practice. I've been practicing this for over 10 years. This morning, I did this twice already. And it's not even noon where I'm at right now. I've already done this twice with two different thoughts that I had. But because I know those aren't God's thoughts, those thoughts don't bring me peace. Those thoughts don't bring me hope. Those thoughts deflate me. Those thoughts dis, um, diminish me. Those thoughts make me feel stressed. Those thoughts make me feel worried. Okay. Number one, can you recognize the moment it says, hi, hi, I'm anxiety. I've come to make your day miserable. Let me in. So that moment, you got to know that moment. The second thing is you got to get humble. And that is what Bob did that day is he said, something's wrong. Something's off. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm not going to shift this over to my circumstances. I'm not going to wish away the time. That's what I used to do. Oh, okay, I'll just kind of muster up some stress and power through with stress and get to the other side. And then I'll be nice to my family. And then I'll apologize to him when I get on the other side of it. So instead of grabbing something that is counterfeit, you are going to grab humility and you're going to say, okay, okay, Lord, I feel it. 
It doesn't feel like you. It doesn't feel like hope. It doesn't feel like love. It doesn't feel like vision. It feels pretty deflating. So which fear is it? And now all you have to do is inventory. Which fear is it? Number one, do I feel all alone? Is that it? Do I feel all alone? I'm all alone. Oh, that is the fear. Or maybe it's not. If that's not it, go to the second one. I don't have help. I don't have any help. I can't do all this by myself. All the moms said, amen. That can be the overwhelming when the house looks like a tornado came through it, called your children. And you're like, I just cleaned that up. Now there's a mess. They took the Sharpie to the wall. I don't have any help. I'll never catch up. There goes the the whirlwind, right? The third question you might have to ask, if it's not, I'm all alone, it's not, I don't have help, then you're going to land on, I don't have what it takes. And I am willing to bet that whatever's going on inside of you, you're going to land on one of those three. So then after that humble moment of inventorying, which fear is it? Then what you do is you say, okay, I've identified you and you're squaring up to that fear and you're saying, okay, I feel all alone right now. Lord, I recognize that I'm all alone and I'm going to do what your word says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It says to take every thought captive and make it become obedient to the anointed one, obedient unto Christ. I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation because you guys, it's so good. I was reading this this morning. I'm like, I've read this a hundred times. This is the best ever. It's the best ever because this is the reality of what we get to do with those thoughts. Okay. We can demolish, I love that word, every deceptive fantasy. What's the fantasy? The fantasy is that thought that says, hi, I've come to tell you you're all alone. I've come to tell you that you don't have what it takes, Bob, to run a ministry, to run a retreat center. I've come to tell you, what are you doing? What were you thinking? That's the fantasy, right? Or the fantasy could be, hey, Bob, what would it be like if, if, if you could just get through this month? I'm mean, just grind it out. And then maybe you can take a vacation and it'll all be better (laughs) because I wouldn't want you to enjoy your life right now. I wouldn't want you to enjoy any of this work that you're doing unto the Lord. I would want you to feel stressed. I would want you to feel bad for yourself. I would want you to take on self-pity. See, this is all forms of fantasy and lies. So we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through. Everybody say breakthrough, breakthrough. Every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And love this part. We capture like prisoners of war, every thought and insist, that's a good word too, that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. So you can insist that it bows, but that means you have to recognize it. You have to recognize it for what it is. You can't say, well, oh man, I looked at my bills and we don't have enough in the bank account. And, and I love this whole rest thing, except for the fact that the sky is falling. This is a real problem. I can't do that, Jenny. Okay, come on, come on. Is that true? Is that true? Is it true that you're all alone in your finances? Well, okay, let's face this right now. Father, I think I feel all alone. I feel like I don't have any help in finances. I feel like I am going to fall through the earth financially. So even though that feels true, even though the evidence is in the bank account and my bills and the numbers not matching up, I am willing to humble myself and believe that you have truth that would overcome this 
fantasy of failure. And you tell that thing, bow down now. Bow down to the truth. And then you say, Holy Spirit, now that I've identified the fear, what's the truth? What is the truth? And the truth is going to be love. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? I have a scripture I want to read with this. Something I heard 15 plus years ago. Fear is false evidence appearing real. There you go. You can, you can tell yourself a lie. And if you tell yourself a lie long enough, it actually becomes truth to you. Wow. So you, you've told yourself a lie. This is just not my personality. It's not my personality. It's not my personality. Well, pretty soon it, 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 it's going to be true because it's, it's a lie that you told yourself 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, some people 60 plus years ago. And you told yourself that lie. And as a result, in your mindset is actually truth. But you basically told yourself a lie for so many years. It is truth in your own mind. So false evidence appearing real. So for me, that was the fear of, oh man, I was just fear of rejection and all well, I was, I was, I was telling myself, well, you Bobby, just kind of an introvert. You're not really, you're not really a talker. And I was just telling myself these lies and I started just believing in it. So I'm thinking about Universal Studios, how we took that back tour and you see all the movie sets. And it was really fascinating because you see the, the buildings and the streets and the, all the, the creative construction. It's so neat. And then the tour guide says, by the way, those are not really bricks those buildings are made of foam. And you're like, what? Those look so real. And of course they look real. They do entire movie sets on them and they look so real to the naked eye. And that's what the Lord told me. He said, fear looks really real. It looks so real that you might call it truth. You might say, well, it's true. My bills are more than what's in my bank account. And so there's no way that I have permission to not be afraid. And the, 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 the real core issue with anxiety and fear is believing that God is not here. He doesn't care. He doesn't even know. And if he did know, maybe he wants to teach you a lesson. He's just sitting back with his arms folded saying, well, let's see how you get yourself out of this one. It's all these twisted, perverted beliefs about who God is to us. And especially religion, what religion does is it says you better earn your way into the presence of God instead of God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. He found us. I promise you, I did not find him. He found me. He found you. And he is here and he cares. He is not indifferent to your situation. And I believe that anxiety is a form of separation anxiety, just like dropping the kids off the nursery at church. And they're like, ah! You know, they don't even know who they are apart from looking at you. And of course, a couple of minutes later, they stop crying as always. But what about as adults, when we don't think that our protector and our caregiver is with us and taking care of us, we have anxiety. I want to read this in John 8. And this is 831, John 831. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. In verse 32, let this sink in. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. So what we've done here is we've step one, we've recognized something icky is going on in my heart. And I'm not just going to tolerate this today. 
I'm not going to let this thing fester and grow mildew and junky stuff in my heart and my mind. I'm not going to let this steal the joy of my life. Even though life is full, I don't have to feel like a crazy stressed out person. I refuse to to tolerate this. So it's stopping and stopping uh, the toleration of these things and then humbling ourselves to say, okay, I might be wrong. What's the fear? Do I feel all alone? Do I feel like I have no help? Do I feel like I don't have what it takes? Identify the fear. And then right here, John 8, it says to embrace the truth. It will release true freedom into your life. So now we embrace the truth. We can't just say, okay, bow down fear. We actually need a truth to replace that. We need it to come in. Bob, can you go back to that bathroom moment just for a minute? You recognized it was a fear. You all of a sudden saw that it became, it got disempowered. There was, there was this very small little issue now. And you're like, wow, that, that thing's a fear. That's not very big. But what was the truth? Because you came out of that bathroom that day. I'll never forget it. You came out of the bathroom and you looked like you had been shot with hope. Mm -hmm. I was actually shocked. I was like, whoa, you didn't even look like the same person. Quite honestly, it was so drastic. The difference. What was the hope? What was the truth that replaced that lie? What was amazing about that is that when that scripture, you said true freedom, that's what I felt like when I replaced um, the lie that um, I was manipulating somebody. I was just a sales guy. I'm um, all these different lies that I believed in. And I replaced it with really the, the truth of who I was and what I believed in the integrity that I walked with. Um, I walked out of the restroom with true freedom. It was, it was like a lightness about my life mm-hmm. that I stopped being so concerned about other things. And so that really is incredible. The scriptures boils down to really how I felt walking out of the bathroom. I just felt light and I felt alive. I felt, um, I felt hope because I knew that, okay, this, everything at that moment, everything was going to change in my life. Yeah. That's incredible. We have so many more things to talk about. So that's why we have so many more episodes. So this is going to be a great journey. I want you to take the next 24 hours and invite the Holy spirit into your heart and say, Let's not tolerate fear today. Just just 24 hours to say, Holy Spirit, help me know when worry and fear is creeping in. Sometimes it tiptoes in, especially the better you get at this. It starts tiptoeing in very quietly because it knows that you know what it looks like. So we have to be very awake and alert. Just ask the Holy Spirit, would you tap on my shoulder and say, hey, that's fear, that's fear. Would you help me address it? Would you help me ask which of the three fears is this? And then would you give me the courage to say, okay, bow down. I insist that you bow down at the foot of Christ. And then Holy Spirit, what's the truth? And you have to stop and wait. And you have to just wait and say, I'm being patient. Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Wait for it. He'll tell you the truth. And then true freedom breaks through. Now, if you read your Bible, sometimes hearing his voice can come a lot faster if you have, if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you don't read the Bible very much, this is where I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you into the New Testament, into the life of Christ, because when you read the Bible, truth gets down in there. And then when you say, okay, Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Those stories of who Christ is jumps up and it surfaces. And so the written word of God is alive. And when you read it and when you take it in and you digest it, it it, it produces fruit inside of you and it waits in there to help you. And so we draw from the word that we read and the Bible is so incredible. The truth 
truly will set you free. The truth that you understand and not the truth that somebody else understands, but the truth that you understand will set you free. So to end this episode, Bob, would you pray for everybody? And then we will get on with the next episode. Father, you are so good. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that any lie that somebody has in their spirit, I pray that you just deliver it from them right now in the name of Jesus and send it right to the pits of hell where it belongs. Father God, you uh, will give people strength. Holy Spirit, you will give them strength and power, peace, joy. We, We don't know what circumstance people are going through right now, but Father God, you will be in their midst. You will give them peace in the midst of storm. I thank you, Father, for this revelation that you know, rest is not a verb and rest is not a, an escape from the current situations, but this, it's something that is a place right now that we can live in this incredible stillness and this incredible peace and this rest in our life in the midst of all the things that are taking place. We can have peace. We can have rest. I give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Jenny L. Donnelly and also Robert Donnelly and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the future episodes and be sure to rate us as well. Lastly, we have emails going out and blogs and encouragement and even prophetic words for you. You can subscribe to our email list at totellustyministries.com or for a little quick shortcut, because Tetelestai is a wee bit hard to spell, go to john1930.com and subscribe to our list there. We'll see you next time.